Hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, Season 2, Episode 1 of Technological. We're excited to be back, and we have uh, a really good guest this time. Uh, so welcome to Connie Yang. Thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, Connie is currently the lead data scientist at Palette uh, and has previous experience at Microsoft. Um, so I'm just going to hand it off to you, Connie, to give like a quick background about yourself, uh, and we'll jump right into it. Podcast. Thank you, Avi. Um, thank you guys for having me on today. Very excited to be here. So my name is Connie. Um, I'm currently the lead data scientist at Palette. So we are a very early stage startup based out of New York. Um, I've been a data scientist at Microsoft for the last, uh, for four years before that. And I graduated from Carnegie Mellon in math and computer science. Awesome, great to hear. Um, so yeah, uh, let's let's start from the very beginning. So tell us a little bit about your time at Carnegie Mellon. Um, obviously we know it's a very technical school. Computer science is, is super popular, um, mm-hmm. but senior major, there's, there's a few different things, uh, a lot of discrete math, um, computational math in your major. So I'd love to learn a little bit about your major and, and just your time overall at Carnegie Mellon. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I was in a very niche major. It was It's called discrete math and logic. And I think there's like 15 people in the entire program. And so um, it was definitely a really unique, but I would have to say it was, a, it's by no means an easy, it was very difficult. <laughs> because it was very much focused on theoretical math and theoretical computer science. So in terms of homework and work-wise, I used to joke it was the worst of both worlds. Um, And so I also began in the program with like a cohort of just super brilliant peers where like a lot of us were recruited to train for CMU's like Putnam math team. And so Putnam team is one of the hardest math competitions. Um, So I ended up not being involved in Putnam, but in terms of my peer cohort and everybody in my program, just like it was super rewarding because the professors and like my peers were just brilliant. And then we were all in this intersection of computer science and math. And so our program fit very well for people who wanted to go into grad school. But one of the questions that I always ask myself is, what am I going to do with a theoretical math and CS degree? So I actually took a lot of, I made an active effort to take a lot of classes outside of like the science, the Mellon College of Sciences and computer science. Um, And I was also really involved on campus. Um, So I did initiatives. One of the initiatives that really led me to think about doing data science, because at the time, this was six years ago, six plus years ago, data science and big data was something that was up and coming. And so um, I just happened to realize that a lot of the theoretical math work that I had done really laid the foundations for what is now machine learning AI algorithms. So specifically, I always tell students that, you know, if you really want to have, if you want to have less of 
a learning curve when going into data science, definitely take courses in linear algebra, differential calculus, stats and probability. And so, but with that, that was really awesome to, and I didn't do that on purpose. I just realized that a lot of my courses happen to form the foundations of what would become um, this field that would blow up in the next few years. And one of the initiatives on campus that I did with my friend is that he basically realized that the student minimum wage at CMU was at the federally mandated lowest amount at the time. And so one of his thing was that, hey, like, asked me to join along in this effort and is like, hey, like, can we maybe try to raise this amount with um, the finance heads of each college at CMU? Because CMU is six different colleges. And then I was like, yes, let's do it. And basically I created this data-driven approach and proposal in term and put it in front of the finance heads of each college where we went over the proposal probably on a bi-weekly basis. And basically I did this analysis of like, oh, here is our defined group of colleges and here's where their student minimum wage stand. And then relative to the different college costs, like let's just do a very simple estimate in terms of how much it will cost if we raise it by incremental amounts, because each of the colleges have different um, finances available to them. Um, So all in all, we actually successfully were able to pass that initiative. And so being able to like take applied math and CS and, and actually make impact by helping people understand, like if we were put something into action, how will this affect, um, how will this affect everything? And just seeing how powerful it was, I basically kind of came to the conclusion that I was like, Hey, like, maybe I don't want to do something so much in grad school that's very focused on theory, but more so on the application of how we can leverage theoretical, uh, we can leverage math and CS together as really this powerful problem solving tool that can really universally be applied everywhere, um, anywhere where there's data, which is everywhere now, so. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, That's like a really cool project to get involved with like, you know, data science itself and really start understanding like the field. I think before we just kind of jump into like your role at like as a data scientist and becoming a leader within data science itself, I wanted to uh, just really ask like, how did you hone in on like data science? Like I want to like, cause there's other roles you can do. Like you can become mm-hmm. like, like a machine learning engineer or like, you know, or even just like do like statistics for like a larger tech company. So how did it become like data science itself? So, Um, I, it it was, it was also, I guess, like, kind of what I was going for was something more flexible and where I was able to explore, because there's this constant question of what does it mean to be a data scientist, because everybody defines it very differently. And especially even, even now, six years later, all the companies, large, small, everybody, and even within the companies. Uh, the various teams, they define what being a, being a data scientist is, and it's pretty different across the board. And so one of the questions I was also asking myself going into this is, I really want to understand the full scope of what data science is, or what it means to be a data scientist. And so I didn't want to kind of pigeon myself, pigeonhole myself into a more narrow role where 
machine learning engineer will be specifically focused on one part of that entire pipeline. I kind of wanted to, when I began off my career, go more broad and have a taste of really the different applications and the different types of data science roles that can occur. Because going in, there is a lot of just like, there's a lot of things um, that I just uh, did not like kind of unknown unknowns. And I thought that going into something broader would allow me to hone in and really try to figure out what specific area of data science and that entire um, like pipeline that I would specifically want to develop my skills on. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's really good advice. The younger you are, the, the less you know about, you know, all these different roles as and, and you know, roles change constantly year over year. So. I think, you know, the best advice is start as broad as possible, figure out what you like and you don't like. And so actually, you know, I, I have a quick question before we get into Microsoft, like what, yeah. what specifically, what specific parts of data science did, do you end up liking now? Like looking back at, at your whole career, like what are the specific areas that, um, you know, really excite you? Yeah. Looking back, um, you know, there's a, there's, there's that meme, there's that meme that is like what the world thinks I do, like what my friends think I do, like what my parents think I do, what I actually do. And so I think there's a lot of conception um, of data science, really data scientists being focused on building the state of the art machine learning, deep learning models and deploying them. And in reality, there's so much more to that. That's probably only like less than 10% of uh, your time. And I always tell people going into data science that, especially since when you're in academia, there's a lot of very nicely prepared data, and then you have a clear set question that you answer. Um, one of the parts that I found the most fun is the problem solving aspect when you have a really vague business question. So typically people come to you with like, hey, I have this super vague engineering or business question I like to get answered. And then it's your job as the, as the data scientist to take that really vague business question and translate that into something that is a solvable data science methodology. And then you also have to keep checking back with the requesting team and partner team to ensure that that translation is correct and that you interpreted what they wanted correctly, because oftentimes you're also helping each other figure out, you're kind of like, initially they would want A, but then as you as you go on, they're like, oh, I actually think that the success metric should be B. And then, so you learn a lot through that process, but I think that problem solving process is just extremely rewarding because you also have a lot of, um, you have a seat at the table, right? You're, you're not just being told like, hey, go do this. You have a seat at the table to be like, hey, I, based on my expertise, here's how I recommend that we solve this problem. And I think that problem solving aspect is always very exciting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, totally agree, awesome. So uh, so now let's, let's fast forward a little bit. You're at Microsoft, uh, you're a data scientist one. What are you, uh, you know, what, what are your main roles and responsibilities? And at that point, were you trying to become a leader in data scientist uh, in data science? Were you trying to, to move up or were you kind of just like, you know what, I'm just going to, you know, go be, be a good individual contributor and just see what happens. I see. <laughs> I see. 
please put IC in here. Um, yeah, so I always knew that I wanted to, like some people may say they may not know, but I actually think I've always known that I wanted to take on some leadership role because I've just seen like a pattern throughout life where at, at every point I've, in, on top of all the schoolwork and, you know, like the, the, the day job, I've always wanted to get involved in other ways. And so I've taken on community leadership roles. And so one of the ones at CMU is that me and my best friend taught a female empowerment class at the end of our senior year. Um, and so there was just amongst that, like many other leadership roles. So I would say that starting from the beginning when I was at Microsoft as, so I actually was an intern and then I joined full-time. Um, and it was as an intern, your, your, your main goal is I want to get that return offer. So I would say as an intern, I wasn't so much focused on that aspect, but when I did return as a data scientist one, um, one of the things was that, Hey, like I need a heads down for the first six months. I was not thinking about this at all. Like for the very first six months, I was like, I need a heads down, build up credibility, you know, like do all the work that is assigned to me in a way that's like also timely and impactful. And there's advice that I got very early on that's your project portfolio will always be filled with projects that you need to do and the projects that you want to do. And so sometimes like you, you, you should be doing all the projects you need to be doing in order to, pe in order to get to work on the ones that you want to. So I really follow that advice. And so in the first six months, I would say I did a lot of projects that needed to be done, but it was also a great way for me to get familiarized with Microsoft's like vast tech stack. Um, that definitely takes a lot of time. Even our, even Microsoft's database itself is you can imagine is I think the world's largest or like one of the largest ones. So just having to understand what data sources you have, it just benefits you significantly. Um, when you start to take on more advanced projects because partner teams will be coming to you asking you for um, your advice and for you to become, for you to do their projects. And then you kind of have to make a quick turnaround to be like, can this be done first or can it not be done given what we currently have? And so um, I, didn't, I didn't think about more like leadership roles until that learning curve flatten out more. And a lot of the leadership roles I would, say also came very randomly like it was not really planned like there's always that your the back of your mind where like okay this is what I want to get into but um I don't really know how to, how I'm gonna get there but if the opportunity comes I'll take it yeah so Connie you talked about opportunities that come your way and kind of taking advantage of them and I agree that's like a really big part of you know, getting leadership experience. Um, so I'm really curious to hear, like, if you have any stories or specific examples at Microsoft where you've gotten an opportunity and you've really taken advantage of it. Like I see uh, you were one of the co-founders of the Women in DS community. So I'd love to hear more about that and, you know, like how you shaped that opportunity and kind of used it to build yourself up more in data science and as like a leader in the space. Yeah, absolutely. So as I was saying before, is that a lot of the opportunities I found um, just come to you pretty randomly, but to be ready for it and being in the right mindset to really commit your time, because it's definitely non-trivial um, to also add that level of time commitment and, and, and thought leadership um, in addition to your day job. So for the 
women in data science community, it was, I was having a normal meeting. How it all started was, um, actually, I think it was my first, it was towards the latter end of my first year at Microsoft. And I was just having a normal meeting with one of my colleagues where we were waiting for a machine learning model to take its time and finishing training. And so we just had a side conversation. And part of it, I brought up the fact, I have no idea how we got into this side conversation, but I brought up the fact that I had taught this female empowerment class with one of my best friends in college. And he was like, hey, I actually happen to sit on the board of reviewers for Microsoft's like internal machine learning and data science conference. And so this is like a global internal conference that happens twice a year. And so it's super big. Um, it was very big back then and, and it's even bigger now. And it's really like all the researchers um, and, now we, and now after Microsoft acquired LinkedIn, there's a lot of like LinkedIn researchers and data science leaders across the board that just are that, that, it's like proposing to um, talk at uh, external conference, except it's just internal. And so um, he sat on the board for that. And he was saying that the conference director had always wanted somebody to initiate and lead a women in data science workshop um, modeled after the Stanford Women in Data Science Conference, which is the largest um, conference in this area. And so he just asked if I wanted to take this on and I said, sure, yeah, let's do it. And so that's actually how it started. So we, I, I, I knew that it was also going to be a non-trivial commitment on my time. And so also being like only a year yet, a year in at the time, I wanted to find a co-founder because then, you know, we can divide up the work and also um, my co-founder that I found, like she had already been at the company for five years and she had already been involved in various initiatives that are related to um, women in tech. And so I thought that she would be a great co-founder and she ended up being like uh, incredible and we could divide up the work and also I could learn a lot from her expertise as well. And so we made the first women in data science workshop at the machine learning and, da and data science conference. And what we heard was that we really heard resounding feedback um, from, the, from everybody who participated. And also we ran out of space. And so there was just so many people that signed up for this, for our workshop. Wow. And after, yeah, we, we ran out of space. We had to steal chairs from other conference rooms. Um, yeah. And so after interviewing participants from our first workshop, we really uh, heard the resounding feedback that people wanted this, that they wanted this internal global Microsoft women in DS community because there were so many communities tied to organizations like Azure, for example, there's like a women in Azure community and there's all these different sub-communities. However, you can imagine that if you know the company gets reorged and that org goes away, then a lot of those communities they have to figure out what what happens next. And so um, we we just want to create this Microsoft Women in Data Science community. So just after interviewing participants from our first workshop, we basically started to create this community and centered a lot of how we created the community and events around feedback. So we were just like asking people constantly for feedback in terms of what they want to see, because the last thing we wanted to create is something that was not 
something that was not well thought out and not helpful to community members that joined. But that's how it all started. So, so I was saying it was, it was very random. <laughs> yeah. 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 Some, definitely like, you know, to Avi's point about serendipitous opportunities and just jumping on them and knowing, knowing when to, but also like thinking about it, you know, smart and be like, okay, like I can't do this all on my own. I need, I need yeah. to partner up with somebody, uh, get somebody else involved. And also it just makes the, the, the whole experience a lot more enjoyable. Um, so yeah, know, just what, what are some challenges? Like what, what was like the hardest part about getting this off the ground and, and, uh, you know, making sure that this was successful. The main part is getting any grassroots movement off its feet in a large company and gaining enough momentum and leadership support because there's not a lack thereof of, you know, people wanting to start movements. However, um, however, there, there really needed to be that, you know, like it's like a creator in any community. Like you, you need to build, uh, for lack of a better word, you need to build hype around the community. <laughs> And so one of the things is that it's difficult at a large community to, to, to build that because your target audience is, um, you know, they, they all have day jobs. They're all involved in probably like four other, they're probably members of like four other communities. So it's like, how do we get their attention that we exist and that um, we, and that they should join us for some, for some um, advantageous reason. And so for our kickoff event, I think this is another part of being like proactive and just saying like, um, and just being bold, I guess. Uh, there was, for our kickoff event, I really wanted the kickoff event to have a, the keynote speaker be somebody who was very high up in the company and who was very well known as well. And so um, our Microsoft's executives, like particularly at this time, it was the head of Azure. So he had this like audience Q and A and he would host it in person back then. And so I knew that it was being hosted in person. So I just went to the event and after the event, I just went up to him and I was like, hey, we have this women in data science community and we would love to invite you to be our first guest speaker. And it was him and his entire team. And he was like, oh yes, of course, would love to. And so I guess like, once we had him on, once we had him on deck, then it was really easy. It was a lot easier to do the marketing to be like, Hey, like if you want to hear the head of Azure speak, um, to a small niche audience and also take your questions and talk about his career journey and the importance of data at Microsoft at Azure, like come to our event. And we were also really lucky to get, um, awesome support from what I was saying, like, Microsoft Machine Learning and Data Science Conference itself, um, the community leader for that conference and for that community is was definitely um, just invaluable to our growth. And also we were lucky to have a management team that supported us putting our time into this because, you know, like you obviously don't want to have a manager or like management team who's like, hey, like, like, why are you, we're not supportive of this, but they were super supportive and they're like, Hey, let us know how we can help. And so I think all of those factors combined together. Uh, we also umbrellaed ourselves under like this machine learning and data science community. That was also globe that, that was, that had already been globally established. And so umbrelling ourselves under there and also getting 
um, support from from the community leader of that group and learning a lot from him and his experiences. Like he was just so experienced and so helpful. Um, and even small things like booking the room for the for the kickoff events and getting food and all of that. It was it was just invaluable. And so because our kickoff event, we had, you know, um, the head of Azure and then a and then we had a panel of data science experts from across the company. So we actually just cold reached out to people and we're like, hey, like we would love to get your experience. And we had people who were data science managers with quantum uh, mechanics background. We had people who were data science managers who had their PhDs in economics and, you know, like just hearing from them talk about their career and how they got to where they are. Um, and we try to focus and give them like a theme of what to talk about in that panel as well. So um, we got a really big head start because of that kickoff event. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's so important, like especially building hype around the community um, to like capture those initial users and initial members essentially. Uh, but one thing I, of, I think we need the head of Azure yeah. services to come on the podcast, build hype yeah. around the podcast. Maybe yeah. that might be the only way. But Connie, one thing I am interested in is like, like you're 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 pretty junior when you're doing this, right? Like you're a year into Microsoft, yes. and um, like what what key skills and like what like like motions did you have to go through to like get all of this together, right? Because obviously, like when when you package everything in and like look at it from like the way we're looking at it now, it seems like oh, like it just happened. Like I just emailed this person, I emailed that person, and everything kind of just like came together, but would love to hear more like operationally, like what are some skills that you really like leveraged in this uh, experience? And like, what do you think really helped you become like more of a leader in this experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would say that communication with my co-founder where we were, you know, having a co-founder and having somebody to bounce ideas off of, but we also make made sure to iterate very quickly and run our ideas by people before run a lot of our ideas. Like for example, we had to, when, when we crafted our emails, we made sure to also loop in like our management chain to be like, Hey, like, let us know if this is the proper wording. A lot of the communication was a, a lot of the operations and, and, and communication aspect was really, we wanted to make sure that we kept people's interest. So being very quick to respond to emails and being very quick to, um, to, to just like answer any questions. Like we were all communicating on teams and anytime. So for example, when we work with the head of Azure, he had an entire operations team that we worked with. And so we made sure to keep them in the loop. And also one of the main things is make sure that they get us on, on his calendar. And so that was the main task that we were like, okay, we need them to put a placeholder on his calendar. And then we start to craft with his team um, what are the questions that we need to ask him? And also like, what should he be prepared to be asked? And, um, you know, like, and, and also talk about. So, so we also created an outline of questions to focus on. And also we created like, um, like different categories for those. For example, we have different sets of questions that we ask different people. So for, for our first event, for example, we had four data science experts as part of our panel, in addition to our keynote speaker. 
And so um, what we did is like we had our keynote speaker interact with everybody on the panel as well, in addition to us asking them questions. And then one of the things we did is that we went through and tried to do thorough research of every panelist's background in order to ask them questions tailored to their experience. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's it's interesting how like how how so important uh communication and like over communicating and also just visibility of your work and, and your projects is important. Like especially at big companies, I think. I feel like that's kind of the only way to to really get noticed and for for like leadership to trust you is like what are the things outside of your typical day job that you're doing that that they can actually notice and, and see and, and for them to actually notice and see you have to over communicate uh, you know make sure that that the right people know the right level of information um, and so you know it's I, I feel like that's that's a really good point and really good advice. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I guess, just constantly checking in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is, this is, this is great advice. So like when thinking about, um, actually being a a leader, um, and, and your day-to-day as a leader, let's say, you know, some of our listeners are like, okay, you know, I, I realize that I'm in, I'm in data science or maybe they're a software engineer, maybe they're, uh, in product management and they're like, okay, I want to move up. I want to, I want to lead a team. Um, mm-hmm. some of the, some of the advice that I've gotten before in my career is like, if you want to get to that next role, to that next level, you should already be, be like exuding some of those skills or be doing some of that work that yeah. you know, pretty much you should be doing that level before you actually get, you know, promoted to that level. So let's actually talk about kind of your day to day as a people leader yep. at Microsoft, you know, what, what was that like? What was that shift being a, a people leader versus and I see like what, you know, how, how, uh, would love to know about your experiences there. Yeah. Like you said, that's exactly what happens is that there's so many projects going on that, you know, like, even if you tell your manager, Hey, I want to lead, I want to become a leader. Like they would say, okay, well, we need to find the right opportunities. And like, if the right opportunities come up, um, but, uh, I, again, this, this proactive aspect is that I, I kind of actively, um, I didn't wait around for those opportunities to come. I just actively try to find them. And if you look hard enough, you're always going to find um, you're, you, you'll, you'll always find those opportunities. And so um, one of the projects that I worked on is that one of the projects I worked on was something that was inherited from previous data scientists on my team. And so the manager, the data science manager basically came to me and also the previous data scientist who who owned the the project itself was like hey Connie like I'm passing this off to you passing the, the the torch off to you feel free to do what you want with the project I'd collaborated with him previously to um like update and improve the methodology um and then so what I did is that like they were basically like, here like here it is like you can either not work on it or you can drive this forward. And so at that moment, I was like, okay, I have full autonomy over this project and how it's going to go. And I got the sign off by the previous um, colleagues and also by management. So let's hit the ground running. And so what I did is that like, I drove the project so that I updated the methodology, but I also started to um, pivot strategy and I started so we work a lot with 
with the engineering teams. And so those are kind of the, the main people um, we work with. And so what I did is that like for each engineering manager, I would give this like deck pitch. So I had two different PowerPoint decks. Like one was like a pitch for a pitch for managers that talked about overall business impact and why um, if they adopt the data science methodology, it will significantly improve the current problem they're facing. And the other deck was for engineers like, hey, like here's how you onboard and help your team get onboarded into this pipeline. And so what I was telling every engineering managers after presenting, they were all super bought in and they're like, hey, I want to do this. How do I get involved? And, and I would be like, if you want this to be done, you need to allocate resource to me. So like you need to allocate engineering resources to me. It doesn't have to be somebody that works obviously full-time, but I would need somebody to work like, you know, um, at least part of their, uh, like at least part of their cycle with me on this project. And so um, once I got a engineer to commit, it was really like me and him and we built up a MVP. Um, minimum viable product. And so it was not, it, it was obviously far from perfect, but we built something up together, like the pipeline, the entire product. And now we can take this MVP and start to evangelize it to other engineering teams. And then, so once we began doing that, we did the same thing and got other engineering managers to also assign us engineering resources. And we eventually built up this team of like uh, myself and engineers across um, like the company that we're super excited about implementing data science and AI into the product that, that we had. And so, um, yeah, so that's kind of like one of the specific, I guess, experiences that I've had is that like, I was proactively just looking, um, for these opportunities. It came up and then really acted on it and also had like a pretty clear goal in terms of, um, in the very beginning, like how would I want to go about doing this so that we can get maximum exposure and we can also get, you know, people very excited about, about this project. And also at the same time, like how do we loop in engineers as well? And what ended up happening is like, we actually got a patent out of this. Um, we got a patent and we also got a conference uh, paper and we also, and I, the two, the engineers I work with also got promotions as well. And so it was all around just win-win. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's like, it's interesting and sounds like more entrepreneurial, if you ask me, especially at like a larger company like Microsoft, right? Like you're, you're finding an engineer, you're like building a product and then you're kind of like taking it out to different stakeholders and uh, kind of like not selling the product, but convincing them of like the need and why, why it's, you know, something that the company should maybe pursue. So I'm, I'm really curious to hear how you've kind of translated this leadership experience to Microsoft uh, to your current role as like a lead data scientist at Palette and um, kind of like what it means to be a, like kind of like the lead in a specific function uh, at like a startup. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just a quick pitch for Palette, but I would say like Palette, we're building tools for communities and creators to get members hired. So um, if anybody is in the market looking for jobs, definitely reach out to me, uh, let me know. Um, but I would say that the, the main difference is that right now I joined Palette three months ago and our overall, like we raised, we closed our seed round in July. 
And so um, our company only has about like 13, 14 people. Um, and so yeah, we're, we're very Microsoft, from Microsoft to a, <laughs> to an under 15 person company. That's, that's incredible. Yes. So my direct team at Microsoft was more than 15 people under my manager. Um, wow. So that's a huge difference in itself. And then the other part is that I was on a core data science team at Microsoft, which meant that it was myself and 60 other full-time data scientists. And we acted kind of as a consulting team to other, um, to other teams outside, to other teams within the company. And so this is different because previously I got a lot of mentorship from my colleagues where I was like, hey, if I have a question in stats, well, I'm going to go to the guy with his PhD in stats and run my methodology by him. And so there's a lot of like, I need to check in with people in order to make sure that, um, you know, like what I'm thinking and doing is in the, the right direction. And so I think that was incredible, um, incredible growth in four years for me personally. At Palette, um, since I am the lead data scientist, there's a lot of autonomy in terms of how to how I want to define data science job, uh, data science projects, and also what projects to prioritize and focus on. And one of the reasons I wanted to make this shift at the time in my career that I did was because I felt like I was reaching that point in Microsoft where I I wanted a little bit more autonomy where. Um, I was thinking that, hey, like I have a pretty good idea of how things work and I have a pretty good idea on how I want to define certain data science projects and where we invest our time and priorities. And so it's difficult when you're on a core team with, you know, like so many people as well. Um, and then at Palette, it's been incredible because now I get to take a lot of those expertise that I learned and built up at Microsoft and be able to have more autonomy in terms of um developing the vision and also planning going forward in terms of how I, I basically answered my question at, at Microsoft of like what is data science and how does data science drive impact in like an engineering organization yeah 100 percent well this has been this has been great we've got some awesome learnings from you uh, this hour Connie knowing we're we're getting close to time um, would love to just and wrap with, you know, where do you see your career headed? And then also where do you see the field of data science heading in the next five years or so? Yeah, absolutely. So I think career wise, um, what I've what I what I feel like based based on everything so far is that I definitely want to go towards like technical management. And that's the position that I'm basically in right now is that you know, keep on building up a world-class data science team at Palette. And really, you know, there's a lot of AI and AI ML-based companies out there, but really truly want to build up a world-class data science team at Palette to make it like a, a true AI-based company. And um, in general, I, I, I would see my career staying in this area of um, being in the in, in the leadership position, but also um, I really love doing the IC data science work as well, which is why I'm saying probably like technical leadership. And then in terms of the field of data science, there's really, you know, like for most of, I see data science as a pipeline. There's the initial like pre-processing, getting the data. We're long past that. We're long past algorithm development. 
basically, I think the delta increase in term in, improvement in terms of algorithms that we have out there won't be that significant. But what I do think will be is like every the consequences of of us using um, AI and ML in a lot of our daily life because there's a lot of responsibility that comes along with that. One of the projects I was working, one of the areas I was working on at Microsoft before I left was in this area of responsible AI. And, and there's research in this area of particularly like there's privacy and security, obviously, but there's also areas called like interpretable machine learning. And so interpretable ML is like, okay, we build these black box models. How do we make sure that we are interpreting, like interpreting the results properly? Because there's often like, we stop at being model, but it's the responsibility of data scientists to be able to answer. And I think there's a lot of from like everybody in, um, you know, conveying the, the results across. Um, and yeah, I think that it's going to be the next layer where it's really looking at um, the results and how we use those results as a society in, in these various fields. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I think that's just like also very in the news right now with Facebook and everything going on uh, with like, you know, what, what you see in your news feed. So that's a, that was a great ending. Also, Connie, you're hiring, right? So um, I saw that. Yes, we're hiring. Yeah. Awesome. So if anyone listening is a data scientist uh, and wants to get involved at the ground level with a really yes. exciting company. So we, yes, Palette, we are hiring. Uh, reach out to us. We are very exciting company and we are only at 15 less than 15 people right now so join us early um yeah reach out to me reach out to avi um let me know and what what roles are you hiring across tom we are hiring for engineers right now um as every startup i believe right now is hiring for engineers i've actually had other co-founders ping me <laughs> and um you know to hire for engineers so yes we're also hiring for engineers initially right now and then the roles will expand and we'll eventually hire for more data scientists uh as we go on awesome yeah and we'll have your links below um so yeah just reach out to connie if you're interested in the real palette yes awesome cool thank you guys so much thanks for coming on connie yeah thank you for having me Thank you.